0: Hey guys, welcome back to Financial Flex with Lex, where we change the way we talk about money. I'm your host, Alex, and happy Tuesday. I hope you guys are having like the best day so far. Um, For this week's episode, I'm going to skip another life update um, just to get into today's episode, which is with a very, very special guest. Um, So before we dive right into that, I do just wanna say, as always, if you listen to this podcast, share this podcast. Thank you. That means so much to me. But it's always nice to leave a little rating and review just to show me how much you care about this this podcast. Um, and as always, share, 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 share. All right, let's get into today's episode. So on today's show, we have Helen. You may know her as the Money Minimalist. She is a 27-year-old New Yorker, first-gen Chinese-American, and the girl behind the Money Minimalist. In 2016, Helen graduated college with $25,000 in student debt. She says, looking back, I lost out on thousands of dollars by not prioritizing the right savings and investment accounts, not taking advantage of tax-advantaged accounts, and not investing sooner. Today, she teaches others how to better manage their money and retire early on Instagram. Um, Yes, I've been following Helen for quite some time and she is such an inspiration to me. I don't know if it's because we're literally like the same age and I'm like, wow, if she's doing it, I can do it too. But I'm really inspired by her decision to quit her job as a project manager um, in the financial service industries or like fintech and just take, you know, these next, you know, couple of months to just do what she wants to do. Like in the words of Kourtney Kardashian, she's literally just living life and I love to see it. So I really hope that you guys enjoy today's episode. You gain some inspiration um, and some motivation to, you know, change the situation that you're in if you're unhappy with it. All right. As always, I will talk to you guys later and let's get into today's episode.
1: Hi, everyone. My name's Helen or uh, Money Minimalist on Instagram. That's kind of been my, my handle and go-to nickname these days. Uh, well, I'm Helen. I'm 26, turning 27 tomorrow. I just quit my job. That's been everyone's asking me, you know, what do you do? Well, currently nothing, which is a great feeling. I've worked for many years in corporate America after graduating from college in 2016. I worked in finance and then in tech and then in tech consulting and eventually got myself to a tech startup. Uh, I, I quit as a project manager just a couple months ago. So it's been a really amazing time. I don't hate working, but I just really, really wanted a break. So that's my whole life story in a nutshell and now i'm on the internet teaching people how they can they can also you know maybe quit their jobs take a break in their career and live a mini retirement if you will uh by learning how to invest their money and you know be better at personal finance that's that's really my thing these days
0: <laughs> well first of all happy early birthday um 27 is fun. It's like always so wild to like get closer to 30. You're like, oh my gosh, like I'm no longer 21 anymore. Like what is happening? (laughs) But 27 is not so bad. Um, All right. So we definitely have to like get into you quitting your job a little bit later, but how long ago has it been?
1: Two months ago, pretty officially two months.
0: Oh my goodness. So that's pretty recent. That's wild. Okay. So Before we like dive in, I do just have like an icebreaker question for you. So if you could have lunch with
1: one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? You know, what's funny. This was an interview question I got from UPenn when I applied for undergrad and I completely butchered it. (laughs) So you're really traumatized (laughs) right now.
0: I'm sorry, I promise I did not plan that.
1: No, it's okay. Um, Dead or alive. Wow. You know? I mean, I feel like if I said Mark Cuban, that would be so, like, cliche.
0: No, I think Mark Cuban is a good answer. I feel like whenever he makes, like, an offer on Shark Tank, like, if he does it, then those people more than likely go with him. I'm like, I would go with him. So (laughs) He's smart, and
1: he's, like... He has energy, you know, and he's young and he's he's someone who knows like when to take a risk. And I think that's mm-hmm. huge. Like right now, he's so big on crypto, I think, especially for like, older people. I hate saying older because I'm like, I'm about to be 27, but especially for older people, knowing when like you have to go the mature route or when you have to get into something that's emerging. It's really interesting to pick someone like Warren Buffett will always stick to his guns. Into what he believes in, and you know Buffett's pretty traditional in the way that he thinks about investments. Meanwhile, Cuban like he'll, it seems like he'll go either way. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. my personal opinion. But Mark's like, <laughs> I'm diving into NFTs. I'm creating this app. He's like doing all the things, you know. Yeah. So I think it's very cool to listen to him.
0: You graduated college in 2016 and, you know, you've been working in corporate America up until two months ago. Um, at what point did you realize that you needed to get your financial life together?
1: You know, it's funny. I think the age it really hit was 23 because right when I graduated college, it was like the honeymoon phase, right? It was so fun. I finally had a full-time job and I was with a huge cohort of colleagues, So it was fun. I mean, it was like like college all over again. I was in this brand new city making all this money I've never seen before. I remember going out to brunches every weekend and, you know, going out all the time, buying myself new outfits. I thought I deserved a new purse, like every paycheck. Let me tell you, like I got myself a Nordstrom, like credit card at the mall. And I thought I was, I thought I was hot shit. And (laughs) And then I started really getting into like my student loans and I started really trying to, you know, think to myself, when is this ever going to end? Right. Like how many paychecks do I have to go until my student loans will just like disappear? Like how much longer is this? Right. Because I kept thinking to myself and I think I read something somewhere one day was like, you know, are you, are you living in your apartment so you can work or are you working so you can afford like your apartment? And I thought to myself, like, as someone who's not from D.C., what am I doing here in D.C.? And I started realizing, okay, well, I'm here for work. But the cost of my living in D.C., the apartment, the place to park my car, uh, the cost for me to get dressed up every day, all of that was pretty much like the majority of the cost it was like majority of my paycheck was going into just affording to work there. Right. So that it made me really think like, why am I here? And if I keep doing this, am I really stuck here forever? <laughs> and if I keep paying these loans and if I keep, you know, upping this lifestyle, I'm going to end up like in a position where I'm just going to be in that trap. Right. That's I think that's really where it like, Hit me, I was like, wow, this is the rat trap, right? This is what people talk about. This is the thing. So I really, really went like I pumped it up. I was like, I need to get way more serious about this. I put my foot to the the pedal. I sat, I was like, How fast can I pay off these loans? Right. So and then immediately after that realization, and of course, now we're two years in. The honeymoon phase of working of your friends, the honeymoon phase of earning paychecks is over. You're just like, I want to stop waking up at eight or 7 a.m. on Mondays and going to work, how do we, how do we stop this? So then I started focusing a lot of my money, birthdays, Chinese New Year, whenever I got some extra cash, even from work, I funneled to my student loans. So really it started at 23. And I know that's a long answer.
0: (laughs) No, that's that's great. So growing up, was money like an important topic in your household? Was it ever discussed?
1: All the time, but not in a big picture sense. My parents they immigrated to the U.S. That is a great question, by the way. My parents immigrated here from from Hong Kong when they were teenagers, so they grew up here as immigrants. And they, I mean, I really want to say they bootstrapped it. They they used the family money to open the Chinese food restaurant, worked day in and day out. Christmas was their only day off, right? Wow. And all of their money they they put into our education or they save that money to invest in real estate. So they, their take home pay for the first year, like, you know, years that they were here was so low, never got themselves new clothes, never got themselves anything. We never got birthday gifts as kids and they just kept bootstrapping it. They kept reinvesting the money that they were cash flowing from the restaurant into property. That's why I'm investing in real estate now. And And, you know, it was really like delayed gratification for them. They were taking a bet in the future. So then all of their real estate investments started to really pay off like later in life. And it really helped us afford college. So we didn't speak about it directly, but I think really through their actions and us observing what they've done, I've learned so much about money through them. The only time we talk about it's like, Uh, just the everyday habits, right? Like we used to have this fun, it's it's kind of like a family inside joke. Like we used to joke, like, you know, how cheap is this dinner plate? Right. My dad would be like, yeah, the vegetables were on sale. Rice is like 20 cents a bowl. He's like that bowl. Like, you know, everyone's meal tonight. It's like a dollar 20 per plate. And I just remember conversations like that. It was almost like it wasn't sad or, you know, depressed or anything like that. We just kind of made it fun. And we we were all kind of like in it together as a family because we knew we we were like building wealth and we knew that there was like a longer goal in mind. Yeah,
0: It doesn't seem like you feel like you missed out on anything at all, like in your, like your childhood no. or anything. That's awesome. I guess.
1: I guess because I see the rewards of today, like I don't, and I saw how hard they were working, right? I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything because I still felt like I was getting more than they did as kids. So I wasn't, yeah, I mean, maybe when I was a teenager, I would definitely resent people who had juicy couture like outfits and coming in with the coach purses because I never got that you know and I think as a kid it's hard to compare yourself to other kids but I had to remind myself like I have more than my parents did ever at any given age of their life so I try to you know really stay focused and and grateful because of that.
0: Wow that's like a very like deep and thoughtful thing for a kid to like remind themselves of I know i I'd be like, that's not fair. Sally has this. Why can't I have that? So,
1: oh, I've heard some temper tantrums at the mall. These are these are like mid twenties revelations. Okay, Alex, <laughs> this didn't happen when I was sixteen at Forever Twenty One, begging you know to spend hundreds <laughs> of their money. I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you're fine.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so you mentioned that you know you started to get serious at twenty three. Uh, paying off your loans. So, how like how long exactly did it take for you to pay off your debt? And you had around twenty five thousand, right?
1: I did. Um, I, I, w- I should know this number. I think it's it was less than five years for sure. God. So probably around uh, three to four years it took to really pay it off. Even when I wasn't serious about paying them off, I was still making payments above the minimum payments because my Chinese parents would always tell me like, get rid of your debt. You know, that's like the worst thing on the planet. <laughs> so I was still making above minimum. I just wasn't, you know, fully foot on the, on the gas yet. So yeah, I think immediately after that, once I was like, let's do this, it took me only like a year to accomplish that. Cause I just was so, so focused, but wow. I think overall three years.
0: Wow. That's like still so good considering that like, there's some people who are literally like, 60. And they're like, yeah, I still have student loans, like whatever. So, you know, under five years is pretty sick. Can you talk a little bit about how you were able to quit your job? Like, I know that you have um, like a rental property and that's like a joint venture with your family. So kind of talk about like what led you to like the decision to quit and how have you been kind of like staying afloat and how's, you know, being a landlord basically?
1: Yeah, definitely lots to share there. I, I think even when I was interning and I and I interned pretty much all throughout college, I just couldn't imagine myself walking into one of those cubicles every single day until like the rest of my life. And I would observe other people doing the same thing. And, and, you know, a sophomore in college, what is that like 17 years old? I was like, wow, there's so much life ahead. Like, am I really expected to do this? So I, I've it's always really clicked on me and I'm grateful for starting work at such a younger age because I started realizing like the path ahead. Right. And I started realizing that's really not what I'm interested in. And I, you know, from that thought, I started thinking, how do we change this? (laughs) How do I do this? And I knew I still really had to work. Obviously I couldn't never work. I focus on finding something that would be the most interesting and the most entertaining and the most, like, I guess, you know, the, the most ROI for my time. So I really focus on earning a higher income because if if I have to give up some of my time, how do I maximize my time for the biggest return, which is money? Um, And this is different. And I always say I'm lucky because I never went to college. I was not very talented in the arts, right? Like I'm not creative. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't act. So it wasn't never like I know a lot of my, some of my peers have struggled picking between the money earning career or something they're passionate about. I didn't really have any of that. So I, I really left high school, went into college picking a major, like how do I just make money? Right? Like I, I still don't think I found out what my passions were when I was younger. So absent of that, I just went for the highest paying thing. And I went for technology. And so when I was in consulting, yeah, so your question, how do I get to quit my job? <laughs> that question I said earlier, you know, am I really here to work? Or am I, you know, working to be here? And I kept asking myself that over and over and over again. And I start thinking, like, how can I prepare myself to get out, right? I had to be debt free, because as long as I had debt, I had to keep working. Okay, so I really decided, I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm not going to buy new furniture. I'm not going to buy anything that puts more loans on my my identity, right? Because it's all tied to me. And I just decided, like, I just need to be as debt-free as possible so that my monthly expenses are as variable as possible. So that if I wanted to live in this place, I would pay rent. But if I wanted to move out, I would have no rent. And then my monthly is just... Me eating, like a like true financial dependence, right? Just being able to sustain like your lifestyle. That got me really focused into planning a sabbatical. Uh, Cause I was thinking, and it really was a trip to Thailand that made me realize people over in Thailand were living off of like 20 bucks a day. And that included like a nice hotel, three, you know, takeout meals and all of like the boat tours you can imagine in Thailand, the cost of, that there would be hundreds here. So I kept, I got myself more into the idea of like mobility and how I can have, again, the best bang for my buck the highest ROI on like my time, money, and energy. (laughs) And then I came back to the US and I got really focused on that. How do I relocate? How do I get something more virtual, right? So I started building this online presence so I could have a personal finance coaching platform online to earn money. And then once I really proved that I could start earning money, I decided to quit my job. I didn't need my job anymore. My loans were paid off, right? I had an additional source of income. I've proven that I can live way below my means so that I didn't need a job to keep up with my, you know, lifestyle. And throughout that journey, you know, we've gotten to today where I feel like I prepared myself for this financially and mentally.
0: Um, what led you to the decision to like become um like a landlord? Is it just like through seeing your parents kind of like own rental properties? Mostly
1: that. Most it was um some silent, you know, kind, gentle pressure for my parents to go out there and <laughs> buy some real estate. But I'm not taking any money out of it. I get that question a lot. Well, i'm we're trying to do the same thing. We're. We're not taking any of the profits out yet. We want to reinvest it and buy another property and start really just, you know, stacking them up instead of taking the rewards now. We want like a bigger prize later.
0: <laughs> wow. You have like such like determination. I'm just like so inspired right now, just like hearing all this because I feel like everything you're saying, especially when it comes to work and being like, yo, do I really want to spend like the next 40 years of my life doing this? Like it it just sounds draining. And that's something that I'm currently, you know, I'm having those thoughts and those kind of like, I guess I don't. conversations make me sound crazy, but for the point of this conversation, I'll just say it, but I've been having those conversations in my head. Like, I don't know if I want to be doing this for the next 40 years. Like I need to kind of figure out like how I'm able to still make income and still be able to, you know, live within my means, but not necessarily have to clock into a nine to five because your time, like you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. And that's just something that I'm really, really like just all in for. So like talking to you right now, I'm like so inspired in the fact that like we're basically the same age. I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Um, So I know that you said that you didn't really have like when choosing a major or a career path, like you never had to really choose between, oh, being a creative or going something that doesn't really necessarily pay as much or, you know, going for a job that pays, you know, pretty well. But what would you say to someone who maybe chose a path that is more like artsy and more like creative and they're wanting to kind of like do what you what you've done, being able to pay off their loans and you know, start to like buy property and things like that. Like what's like one piece of advice that you could like give them?
1: Yeah, I would say the one thing I started to realize is that the American dream really sells you that you only have one shot at doing what you love. And it's funny because your nine to five, which takes up most of your day, isn't your nine to nine, right? Like you still have the other whatever hours of your life like what about your five to nine you know what can you do there and that's really how I've been able to rationalize working in tech just to give some perspective uh you know I as I grew older and as I was younger I wasn't creative but I have a lot of like passions and charity and volunteering but I knew I couldn't make a lot of money in that so I found time to volunteer on the weekends in college. And at work, I joined a lot of organizations. Like I uh, I was part leader in getting our analyst groups to go volunteer on the weekends after work, right? Like I spent time to volunteer at the tech job. I didn't do it full time because that wouldn't really pay off for me financially. And I don't know if that's selfish or not, but I felt like I was able to give back more if I was more financially uh, able to anyways, right? So I rather, I rather donate like a million dollars if I can become a billionaire, right? Then give some pennies now. And That's where, okay. So where I'm going with this is you can do both. Uh, I wanted to do tech, but I also really volunteer a lot of my time and I donate a lot like my money, especially during the holidays. And for me, it feels like I'm fulfilling both at the same time because more often than not, it's like something in the narrative or like the thread of the American dream. Something tells you, you can only do one thing. Right. So I see a lot of people telling me especially my dms like helen i went down this path but i need to do tech i want to provide for my family i want to just like be able to live life i'm like do it like if you want to be an artist you can still do that <laughs> you don't need your your you know career title to define who you are like your job is just a, a means to give you money so you can live right like you're just earning money it's, it's just not that deep like you can still be an artist on the weekends. You can still have an art club at night. You can still be in a band with your boys and play at the local bar. It doesn't make you like not an artist. It just means that you're earning more money during the day and you're providing for yourself, your family, you're taking away the financial stress off your back because that's, you know, unfortunately where we are in America, like you need to be able to make enough money to sustain yourself so you can continue working on your passions and guess what if you work in tech and make a lot of money in like five ten years you can retire early and spend the rest of your life on those things and that's kind of that's that's a different perspective that I've heard over time
0: I love how you're kind of like you can still like you basically don't have to always monetize your passions I feel like lately and just like in the last couple of years it's always been like you can make money doing what you love, doing what you love. And so sometimes people go to school feeling like, well, I love, you know, the arts. So I'm going to go and like pursue this art history degree. And then they graduate college and they're like, oh, my goodness, like, oh, I can barely buy ramen noodles with this money that I'm making. Like, what's happening? And so I think it's very, like, important that you said, like, hey, you can still Be a painter. You can still be an artist. You can still, you know, have that creative side to you, but like you're also allowed to make money. And that's nothing wrong with that. Like the two aren't, you know, separate identities. Like you can literally do both. It's just about how you go about doing both, which I love.
1: Right. And it makes me sad when I see people with these true passions, which we need in this world, by the way. Right. Like I don't want to live in a world of robots because everyone's doing tech. I want people to continue pursuing the arts and it makes me sad when people go down these paths and they feel as though it's kind of becoming less of a passion because Mm -hmm. of the money. Right. I heard something amazing. It must've been a Ted talk or something, but someone was saying uh, something to keep you really happy in life is to pursue something that people will be shocked by if they heard that you did that thing, right? Find a hobby that will shock people. So if you're a lawyer, you know, maybe crocheting, or um, if you're like a dentist, or what's something like random, like someone could do like collecting coins or rocks, or, oh, I'm, I'm a rock climber. You know, just something so bizarre. Someone's like, what? Like, that's what you do on the weekends? And this person said, it's so, you know, important that you do something like that in your life, mainly because then you can pursue something that's not your day job. But secondly, Mm -hmm. it's finally something that you don't feel measured by because you're constantly measured at work, right? And then if you monetize your passions, the money becomes like your measure of success and it becomes... So unfulfilling after a while, right? Like, so find something that you don't measure yourself by. There's no grade, there's no, there's no money tied to it. It's just you doing you, having fun, you know. I think that's true. That's like true joy.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I love that. Um, so can you discuss a little bit more about like your gap year? Like, what do you plan on doing? Like, you know, during this year, do you think it'll be longer than a year? Um And is it something that you encourage other people to do?
1: I'm not sure. I think when I first said I was going to do it, it was, I said, six months. I want to spend this time to kick back, relax, travel, build my course. I want to build a financial, uh, kind of like a financial prep course. And uh, it's already been two months. I was like, I'm not ready to go back to work in four. Maybe we will do a gap year. I mean, I want to travel. I really hope the restrictions get lifted. That's my dream. If I can keep sustaining this lifestyle. Oh, and I got to bartending license. So if I can keep sustaining this lifestyle without pulling from my investments, you know, by dog walking or bartending or teaching classes online, then I would really enjoy this for another year. I think it's really important, especially at this age to have a year off. And the reason why I advocate for it is because, you know, we're only getting older every day, right? Each birthday, I'm like, dang. (laughs) each flight of stairs is getting harder each time i fly i feel more jet lagged every time i drink i'm more hungover like every time i hike i'm like damn are these mountains getting bigger like my body's aging so fast and it's becoming more and more obvious you know in these ages i guess i just want to take the break when i'm going to be at my financial strengths, my, my financial peak, I guess. I don't know. I just don't know what's going to happen. I know there's people who are 40 and 50 and they're definitely, you know, way more fit than I am. But for me, I just want to, I just want to travel and live before my body like deteriorates if, you know, for better or worse.
0: (laughs) No, I feel like this phrase just popped into my head, but Helen is just living life. Like, that is what you're doing. You're just living life. And I love that. Like, I totally agree. I think that at least in between, like, either high school and college or even, like, college and graduating and going into the workforce, like, a year just to, like, figure out what it is that you really want is so important. Like, I, like, yeah, I've been working. Yeah, I graduated school in 2016 as well. So it's been like, what, like five or six years post-college and I've just been running and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need time to like decompress. So I definitely think that like a gap year, a gap six months, whatever is definitely, you know, needed for like all of us.
1: <laughs> or at least just taking yourself off that like conveyor belt for a second, yeah. just to catch your breath. I mean, because if you're on this conveyor but you're going to keep going and going and going and going. And like my biggest fear is like, where am I going to end up? Like, because like I told you, like I went from interning, right, from sophomore year to interning junior year to my full-time job senior year to then working at this consulting company, you know, for four whole years and a startup. I was like, where am I going next? Another startup, then another startup, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, and I... I was like, am I going to make partner at a firm? And I was like, what's going to happen in between them? What memories am I going to make? So I don't know. Work is great. And and again, I see it as a means. It's all about like putting money on the table making sure you're provided for at the same time. Like your time is another really important resource to keep an eye on.
0: No, for sure. Um, Let me see. Oh. So at 25, you hit a hundred K net worth. Why is best, why is investing like so important to you? And how did you feel when you saw that you had that net worth? That's like crazy. Congrats.
1: Thank you. Surreal. Cause I mean, it's weird. It's just like digits on a phone app. <laughs> right. It's, not like, it's like when someone works out, they get like ripped abs and like, you can see it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I have some digits here. It felt great. The reason why I think investing young is so important is because every dollar I invest now is just, it's just getting a leg up. If you imagine like someone joining a race, right. Or like a horse race, like my dollars that are invested, they're in that race. Someone who's investing after me, they're getting a later start and if they invest even later, they're way in the back. And I'm, I'm quicker to that finish line. My, my horses are getting stronger. They're going to go further And because I got that head start. So investing really early on is super important for me. (laughs) Like, that's why I went to tech. The the more I can have in the bank now, the further and stronger and like larger these money sums will grow because time and compound interest, as, as we know, you know, favors time. It doesn't really favor anything else.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So as we come to an end of our conversation, what is the best piece of financial advice that you've learned in the last year?
1: Find out what you hate spending your money on. Like, just find out the things where you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm paying for this again. And just work really hard to keep cutting those things out of your budget because they don't have a home there, okay? Like, Stop. Like, I hated takeout. I don't know why. I just hate it. It just pained me. Whenever my boyfriend wanted to order takeout, I'm like, why? The food's so subpar. It comes to the house soggy. We're paying this guy 10 bucks to drive it down three blocks. I'm like, I absolutely hate spending my money on this. And so, <laughs> That's value-based spending. Okay. Cut things out that you don't like. You'll find it easier to save money that way. And, and you'll find that you'll enjoy spending your money on the things that you like even more.
0: Oh, love that. So where can the people find you, get in contact with you and just like follow you for more tips, tricks, and like inspiration?
1: The moneyminimalist.com. I'm just kidding actually that's completely wrong i don't know why i said that it's the dot money minimalist on instagram and then i'm moneyminimalist.com as my website but don't find me there there's nothing for you there my website my website's not up to date just don't find me on instagram <laughs>